Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the John Fursella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, your host, at Loafin' It on Twitter. And of course, I am joined by the man himself, John Fursella. How are you doing today, Johnny? What's going on, Wes? I am pumped, man. I'm ready to go, man. I I was in my glory the other night, Thursday night, with a couple of my buddies watching the game. I can't believe the season's here. I'm locked in. I'm locked and loaded. Let's roll. Are you ready for Sunday? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm ready to uh, watch the Jets with my wife, and uh, I'll probably throw some things at the television, (laughs) eat a bunch of snacks, and we'll lose by three points. What's your favorite snacks? Do you have a list of your favorite uh, must-have game day snacks? (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I don't have a list of, but I don't know. Maybe we'll have some pizza rolls. You know what I mean? Got pizza bagels. I got to have some cheese. Got to slice up some cheese and crackers. So, you know, maybe mix in some healthy vegetables with some ranch dressing. So you got to mix and match, my man. I'm a big chili guy. I love chili on game days uh, just because it lasts so long, you know, throughout the week and everything. I love chili. It's so flexible. You can use chili on almost anything. I, you know, you put your chips in there. You got your salsa. And I love all the different toppings you can put on it. You know what else I love to do with chili? What? Scrambled eggs. I Scra- love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Give it a little spice. Give it a little kick. Yes, sir. But hey, what did you think of spice and kicking? What did you think about that Chiefs Texan game the other night? Oh man, I, I was I really was in my glory. I could tell you on the Chiefs side, number one, about five minutes into the game, I could tell that the Texans had no chance. Literally, I, I actually tweeted, I'm like, this this game's over already. Five minutes into the game, the the Chiefs obviously they dropped the touchdown um, early on, but it didn't matter. You could just see they could do whatever they wanted. They had them so spread out, right? When you have Tyree Kill on the outside with Watkins, with McCall Hardman, with Robinson, so you're going four wide wide receivers, and then Kelsey with only single coverage and CEH who showed a lot in his first game in the NFL. There's no way to cover them. And especially if you're the team like the Texans who only have two or three real solid defensive players. I mean, it was a nightmare for the Texans and I'm not, not even the least bit surprised. You were a great follow the other night on Twitter. I enjoyed watching you on a game night. It was the first time I ever saw you on Twitter on a game night, and it was fun just because I know you and able to interact with you a little bit on that. But uh, you can find John over at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter, a must-follow on game days. And I noticed the same thing you did about CEH, just being really in the involved in the game plan, but not on third downs. Yeah, early in the game, a couple of times early, they went with Daryl Williams, but that kind of changed because right away you could see he looked slow. And by the way, shout out to my buddies, the Val brothers. I was watching the game with them. They're huge football fans, um, and they really know their stuff. And they said right away, this guy's going to lose opportunities, Williams, because he's got no spring. And you watch CEH, and he's very bouncy and very springy, and you and you know that Williams is going to get yanked off the field. So he got the early opportunities on third. That was Williams. And then later on, they switched to CEH, and they rode him all the way to the finish line. So that's just something to note as we go forward. I saw that as well. Very hard. Ta- I didn't know he was going to be that hard to tackle. Low to the ground. I don't know if that was him being able to break tackles or the Houston Texans not being able to tackle to be, oh, I can't wait to see him against a different defense. Yeah, no, he was low to the ground. You know, I had four guys running through my head and they were ranging of all types of levels of players, right? So Darren Sproles was a guy that I saw in his movements a little bit and he's very small. I mean, he looks little against the offensive lineman. Um, so that was like the low end of the spectrum. But then you saw, I saw a guy like Frank Gore. Frank Gore runs low to the ground, more physical, a little bit stronger, but I also saw that in his movements. And then at the top end, I saw guys like Tomlinson and Barry Sanders. I saw a little bit of that. So you mix and match those four guys, and that kind of gives you an idea of what we saw from CEH. Obviously, he struggled in the red zone. He got stuffed about 10 times, but that'll come, and it doesn't matter. They were just trying to get his feet wet. You could see they wanted him to get that touchdown. Um, But otherwise, in the middle of the field, he was chopping him up. He looked really good. I'm thinking this year especially at the beginning of the year, familiar faces in familiar places. That might be my motto this season. Just because of CEH not being acclimated to the passing game yet might be a rookie thing. It might be a Daryl Williams thing. It, it Also, though, Brandon Cooks just completely disappeared in that game. They tried to involve him early, but then he was nowhere to be found whenever Watson needed to find a receiver. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a real struggle for the Texans. I, the good news for them is, and you and I have discussed it before, and I was talking about Thursday night with the guys and on Twitter as well. The good news is it's the Chiefs and the Ravens, and it's wide open for everybody else. And that still includes the Texans, right? Just because they got blown out doesn't mean we're going to write them off as a possible back playoff team. 
But that being said, you could see what it's like without Hopkins. You got four of the same guy, right? I mean, these are varying degrees of the same player. Will Fuller and Kenny Stills both can beat you over the top. They also could drop five balls in a game, and they drive you crazy. And they both had drops in this game. And Randall Cobb and Cooks, they're they're similar also. These are veteran guys. These aren't star players. None of these guys are stars. They're all one game, one's going to be better than the other. They're going to alternate. Some guys are going to get hurt. Some guys are going to get drops. So you you look at those four guys and you're like, man, the guy who stood out actually was Aikens, the tight end. He actually looked to be the most explosive out of all of those guys. So maybe he'll step forward as more of an option for Watson. But the Texans got to figure things out. Obviously, the good news was David Johnson looked pretty solid. And I'm not surprised by that. You know, I was pushing David Johnson because of the touches that he gets. And they're going to try to justify that trade. But overall, you can tell it's going to be a struggle for the Texans. They got to find their identity. And uh, it's a little bit sloppy right now. It definitely is. John, we have got a ton of fantasy impact news and notes to go over. And I love how you I love to do them with you because you make them so short and sweet. In Detroit, the Hawk is 100 percent healthy. But Kenny G is not. Neither is Danny Amendola. On the surface, it sounds like a great spot for Hawkinson and also for Marvin Jones. Do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, those are obvious plays now with Galladay being out. Uh, if we're talking about DFS, I have a feeling that, and I'm going to throw some terminology at you, Wes, because I know you don't do okay. the inside stuff. Do you talk about chalk? Do you know what chalky is? If a player, I, I do know what chalk is. I used to eat chalk whenever I. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> So I, I think, a, uh, basically, I, I think a lot of people are going to have Marvin Jones because they know that Galladay is out. Um, so I'd rather go with Hawkinson because I think he's only 4,200. I was looking at the salaries this morning. Um, and he also was very good in week one last year. Hawkinson, he opened up very strong before he got injured and he fell off a cliff. So I'd rather go for Hawkinson. Hopefully he won't be as owned and he's cheaper than Marvin Jones, who's about 5,600. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're doing the uh, cash games where you got to finish in the top 50%, you might need to throw Marvin Jones in there just because everybody else is going to have him and you don't want to lose that leverage against the field. So it's relative to the type of tournament that you're going in if we're talking about DFS. A name you have been talking about that you weren't comfortable drafting anywhere this season, Jarvis Landry. Uh, His hip is okay, allegedly kind of. He said his week one playing time will be dependent on the Browns game plan. Uh, you're still staying away from Jarvis Landry, right? Yeah, I just have a I have a bad feeling. You know, I've been saying it. We've been saying it for weeks. A lot of people, once he returned from the PUP, were like, okay, I'm going to fire up Landry. That's my guy. He's he's consistent. He's a solid veteran. But I have a bad feeling in my gut that this guy's been so durable for so long that it's time. It's time for him to miss, like, I'm going to say four, five, six games. He may only play 10 if we play a 16-game year. That's just how I feel. So also in DFS, he's the same salary as Beckham this week. So if his snaps are going to be limited or it's going to be a mix and match thing, you got to go with Beckham. Beckham's 5,900 and Landry's 5,900. So for certain, you're going to fire up OBJ, uh, despite that wacky news this week about his habits away from the game. Um, Yeah, not messing with Landry. What were we going to say, Wes? (laughs) No, I was just saying no on the Odell news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listen, uh, you never know anymore these days because there's so many people out there that are looking to get paid and put somebody on blast. And of course, a lot of it's true. Sometimes the accusations are true. Sometimes it's totally made up somewhere. It's it, Sometimes it's gray. It's in between. So who the heck? We don't know what to believe anymore. There's no more real news. Uh, you know, as the president likes to say, there's a lot of fake news out there. I don't know how accurate that is either, but it's uh, it's difficult to figure out what the reality is. I don't know what the reality is in Jacksonville. They go through a running back a day down there. Right now, James Robinson is slotted to be the opening day. Week one can handle the workload back. Are you playing James Robinson anywhere? Yeah, I I don't think I can play him in a season long, but if you want to toss him in as your second running back in a DFS, if you're going to take McCaffrey. So McCaffrey's 10,000, right? So if you're going to match the guy whose salary is basically eating up your whole team, you're going to need a cheaper running back. So you might want to throw Robinson in. For season long, I'd rather sit him on the bench week one and see how things go, uh, see how it shakes out with Chris Thompson. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I might toss him in one or two for DFS for the season long. I'm going to give him a break for the first week and kind of get an eye on him and see which way he's headed. Now this guy has got an extra day to heal, but Cortland Sutton hurt his shoulder and he was sidelined again on at Friday's practice. This has big implications for the last game on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's going to play. I, 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 he's closer to doubtful was the last thing that I read. But even without that, I'm just thinking if you're the Broncos and you're building a program with your young players, your young quarterback, 
and young wide receivers. Are you going to force your supposed number one wide receiver into the first game of the year in, a, in an iffy situation? I don't think so. I, so I think he's going to be out. Um, so I think that's Jerry Judy, obviously going to like him pretty much in everything. So on my season long, I do have him playing as my third receiver on certain teams. Um, I'm fine with that. Obviously, you don't want him as your one or two. Uh, DFS, go ahead and throw him in there, mix him in. Um, I don't like Deshaun Hamilton, right? That's the guy who mm-hmm. probably will fill in for Sutton. I watched him last year in his limited opportunities. He has stone hands. He just can't bring the ball in. Um, so, And I don't like his routes. He's a sloppy route runner. So I'm not messing with him, but I do like Judy. And uh, yeah, you got to like Noah Font, right? Want to mix him in a tight end. So th- those are the two guys I'm looking at there is Judy and Font for the Broncos. Oh, I don't know. It opens the door for me, for, for Philip Lindsay, a whole bunch as that pass receiving uh, running back in Denver. Hey, this is a big game. I think on the fit picks over on the FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter, at the Fantasy Impact Today Twitter handle, I have this pinned. All of our picks from all of the hosts here at Fantasy Impact Today, I picked the Miami Dolphins to beat the New England Patriots. It wasn't because Devontae Parker is going to play week one against New England. It's because of Fitz Magic, baby. Yeah, you know, Wes, I liked it. When I saw that, I, I saw the way it was broken down. Most people took the Patriots. Um, you know, it's it's a high line to pick them straight up. But if you're going to go against the grain and you're going to try to earn some points against your competitors in a league like this, right? So what we're doing here with Wes is we're picking them without the spread. So it's straight up who's going to win. So you pretty much know with the Patriots being a seven-point favorite that most people are going to take the Patriots at home. So I actually like this play by Wes. I took the Patriots just because I feel like it might be a struggle for Miami with both of their receivers being banged up, even if they both play, that being Parker and Williams. So that was the reason I took the Patriots. But as far as Wes's side, I think that's a good gamble because if, you, if you're in a pool, let's say in this one we're doing it with a small number of guys, but if you're in a pool with 10 people and you know eight are going to take the Patriots – Go ahead, take a shot. Take a shot on the Dolphins. W- could they win by three? Could they win by four? It wouldn't shock me. No, not at all. Who, who's going to get the touches there in that backfield? I don't think you like any of those New England Patriot back uh, running backs, but Sony Michelle just keeps haunting me in my mind. Yeah, see, these are the type of situations where you really got to play it week to week, right? So that goes for your DFS, and that goes for your season long, okay? Uh, Damian Harris is out, right? So, okay. This is a time where we want to use Sony Michelle if you can get him in there. Similar situation. If you're going to go for a high running back like McCaffrey or you're going to go for Dalvin Cook or Kamara, ETC, right? Then that's where you might want to mix in Sony Michelle at 4,600 on DraftKings. So uh, he's a play there. And on season long, you're talking about a league where running backs are valued more. So you got to check your scoring settings and maybe he's your last flex guy. Should he be your number two running back? Absolutely not. Could he be your third running back or your flex? He could. When Harris comes back, I probably won't use either one. The only one I'm going to be using in full point PPR is Mr. James White, Old Reliable. Old Reliable. Hey, uh, big news today that I just found out. Mike Pouncey, the center for the Los Angeles Chargers, got a hip issue. He won't play week one against the Bengals. I put the Bengals as winning their first game I mean, this two weeks ago, before I even knew Mike Pouncey, now this is just gravy on those Cincinnati Bengal potatoes, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're in a good position now, Wes. I, I'm sorry I put my pick in too early there um, because that's obviously key information. And another bit of information, which I found to be very odd, was on DraftKings, the Bengals' defense costs more than the Chargers. Oh. We'll figure on that. I could not figure that out at all. So I think you got something going there, Mr. West. I think the indication is maybe the Bengals are going to be a little better than we thought. And maybe Tyrod Taylor is just so bad that it's going to be ugly for the Chargers. If you have Taylor as your quarterback and you don't have Pouncey as your center, maybe you just have an awful game where you can't score points and the Bengals go ahead and they beat you by a touchdown or 10 points. So you might be onto something there, my friend. Thank you very much, John. You can I'll send you something one day. I'll say, I'll let you know about all my plays and everything beforehand so you can have them and you know just do some little wagering like you like to do. Hey, uh Mike Evans got a hamstring. He's doubtful for week 1 against the Saints. It really doesn't sound like he's going to play and if he does play, it really sounds like he's going to be limited at best. Well, what kind of implications does that have that, in the Tampa Bay offense? That's huge. I can I can't wait to talk about that one. That's huge across the board, right? Number 1 that's going to turn Chris Godwin into chalk on DFS, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to play Chris Godwin because he's a tremendous receiver in his own right. And now you have a situation where 
Do you believe in a guy like Scotty Miller who's going to be filling in for Mike Evans? I, I don't think he can. So I think everyone's going to be going for Godwin. So for me, uh, if we're talking DFS, I'm going the other way. I'm going to go with Gronk, who I've been against the whole time. But Wes, you, you know me, and this is the key. I want to continue to preach this. This is like the number one rule, guys. I don't care if you have something against the guy. Whatever the reason is, like, I don't think Gronk's going to be good for season long because he's going to rest. He's going to have games off. I don't like him there. But now you have a situation where you got to read the tea leaves. You got to see what's going on. And everyone's going to take Godwin. And Gronk is only 4,900. So now's your time. First game of the year. Brady's first game with his new team. He already has a connection with Gronk. This is the time to use him, right? So you, you got to play the situation. I don't care. I don't care if I've been saying don't take Gronk in your season long. You got to read it week to week, day to day, and don't hold the bias against anybody. So that's that's where I'm going with that. I like Godwin a lot. I love Godwin. I have him on a mm-hmm. bunch of season long. Um, but this situation's not the best for DFS. No, and, and they're both new faces. Gronk and Brady are both in new places, but they know each other well, and they have a great connection on the field that we've seen so many times. And, and what's going to happen, man? Brady and them get down by a bunch of points against New Orleans, and all of a sudden he, he's got to go to Gronk. He's got to find Gronk, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to say also about the game. I mean, you got to feel really confident in the Saints now. Oh, yeah. right? there, there's certain injuries, and this is another thing we'll talk about as the year goes on. There's certain injuries that are inconsequential, right? You, you might say, oh, that's a name player who's not playing this week. But I can tell you, I can read through it and tell you which ones matter, which ones don't. Mike Evans is huge. Game one, just because even if he doesn't have a good game, he draws defensive attention and Brady's trying to set up a connection with him for the season. So Mike Evans not playing is massive. That's a big loss. So uh, let me look at the breakdown because I do have it up right now. Just curious. It's still, folks, 58% on the Bucks, and it's only 42% on the Saints. So you want to get that before it goes the other way because eventually I think by the time we get to kickoff, it's probably going to be closer to 55% on the Saints or 60%. On the Saints. So right now is a good time to go and get the Saints. I do think they're going to be more comfortable for sure at home. So that that's just a killer injury. And if the if the Bucks do pull it out, it's just going to be because Brady's the magic man. Otherwise, I have no explanation for it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he can be the magic man in this system. It's not the New England Patriot jersey on his back anymore. Miles Sanders, he's got a hamstring issue. This looks like it's going to be lingering all through the year. I really don't know about this Miles Sanders in Philadelphia this season. Yeah, look, I, I don't want to gloat, but I don't have him on any teams. And I've been saying it, Wes, you know you follow on Twitter, mm-hmm. at Legend Sports 7. I've been saying when a team says week to week and not day to day, that's the first thing that they tell the media, I'm running. I'm running for the hills. It's red flags all the way. Because all they have to say to keep people calm about the situation is the guy's day to day. We'll keep an eye on him. We'll see how he is. But the team literally said in all the reports, it was quoted directly, week to week means this is going to linger. This is going to hang around. And that's why, my friends, I've been pushing Boston Scott and I've been pushing Chase Edmonds as the backup running backs to hold this year and get that good value. So I I actually might have to play Boston Scott in a couple of my leagues with these 50-50 running back situations. So, yeah, I'm not using Miles Sanders at all in DFS. I don't have him on any of my season-long teams. And I think you're going to be pulling your hair out if you drafted him early this year. So that's a shame. Isn't this a situation, too, this one in particular, uh, where you have to keep checking in the morning time on Sundays to see what the news is because he might be a late scratch? Yep, that's that's a great point, Wes. You've got to be on Roto World getting those updates, and you've got to be on Twitter on that feed, both of them, because they're coming bang, 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 bang. They're coming in nonstop. So you got to be on there and get those uh, those banner updates as well. You can get from Roto Grinders. You can uh, and hook them up through certain Twitter accounts where it'll give you like a flash of the injury on top. So whatever you got to do to get that information and keep or keep searching miles. But let me tell you this. The problem you have is if you took him in season long and he's active, even if you think he's going to be on a snap count, can you sit your first round pick? I'm in a lot of leagues where people took him in the first round. Can you sit your early second round pick the first week of the season just because you're not sure what the situation is? Do you even have someone that you can use over him if you don't have Boston Scott as a hand, uh, as a you know handcuff to that situation? So you're you're really in a bad spot. So that's why you went in the hole if you took him early. Ooh, another crazy backfield, the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know what to do here. Daryl Henderson, he's he's ready to go week one against the Cowboys. Do we want to play any of these guys? Oh man, this is this one's giving me a headache because. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I felt pretty comfortable with Akers about two weeks ago. And obviously all of us have had drafts along the way. Yeah. So about two weeks ago, I was kind of looking at all the, the rookie running backs. and I'm saying, well, Swift is hurt 
and Carryon Johnson's there, so I got my eye on him. I don't know what's going on there. Dobbins, obviously, he's got to play behind Mark Ingram, and they also have Gustavus Edwards. I like the player, but a tough situation. CEH obviously had a great situation. That was a no-brainer, but he went so early, it was hard to get him. I couldn't. He was going off the board so quick, I could never get him where I wanted to get him. I had him at about number 10 at running back. People were taking him at number 5 and number 6 as we got closer to the season. So I'm looking through all these rookies, and I'm going, you know what? I'm getting a pretty good price on Cam Akers because Henderson's banged up, and Malcolm Brown's never done anything in his career of note. And now the situation is, long story short, they're all going to get touches. So week one, I'm not using Akers on my season long. Where I do have him, I'm not using him. I'm benching him, and I'm not using him in DFS. Uh, it doesn't really come up because I don't think he's on the main slate. It's later on. So, uh, yeah, just it's a, it's a real headache situation. The short answer is you can't play anybody in week one. So in redraft leagues or dynasty leagues or any league, as far as that's concerned, I don't draft kickers and I don't draft defenses, mm-hmm. especially if I draft early before the season starts. If I drafted today, I'd probably draft a kicker and a defense if we were playing those things. But I just sit back and wait to see what injuries happen, right? I, I build depth is what I do. I try to trade. I try to go two for ones, three for ones, you know, that kind of thing. I find some people's garbage who they don't want anymore, and I just go for those things. Somebody, I put a Twitter poll out there or I put a a tweet out there and asked people who I should drop to pick up a kicker and a defense. And everybody said Carlos Hyde. And I was going, Carlos Hyde? He's got one of the clearest paths to touches in on my roster here. And Pete Carroll hinted at using a hot hand approach between Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde today. Uh, Am I right in thinking I need to keep Carlos Hyde? Yeah. I mean, Wes, if you're in that 50-50 situation with other guys in a similar boat where you're not exactly sure what the uh, shakeout of the touches is going to be, I think you're right. And I'm not surprised by this. Here's another guy. I did not take any Chris Carson. I want to say I like him a lot, actually. As a pure rusher, he's a downhill guy. He's physical. But Hyde is coming off a year where he had over 1,000 yards, and, and Carson's coming off a hip surgery. So my theory is it's not that Carson's the issue. The issue is why even bother to give him all the carries when you could protect him? You brought in Hyde so you can give Carson 60% of the carries or 65% of the carries or who the heck knows. Maybe you give him 50% of the carries. So I think you're right. And another problem is if Carson takes a hit and he goes down, now Hyde steps in and he's getting all the touches. So I don't know if you can drop Hyde. Do you? Can you say uh, right now who the other options were for you to drop? Off the top of my head, no, but I can't remember anything. <laughs> I know that. As soon as I said it, I said Wes is not going to know his own team, and he's not going to know the guys that he was he was deciding between. But I figured I would throw it out there just to see if I got lucky for once. Well, no, and and one of them is Bryce Love. I got him. I'm going to probably drop him. I'm going to need to drop him because he's just not going to be able to play until later on this season. Uh, And let me try to think. I got Rojo. He's another one. I also have Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, David Montgomery. So there's not a lot of options there. It's probably looking like Kirk and Love in that situation. Yeah, it's got to be Love. It's It's got to be Love. I, I just can't see how you can drop any of those other guys for him. Um, you got Gibson there, right? So we're going to keep an eye on his touches. Interesting enough, they keep talking about J.D. McKissick. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the Washington football team. And I got to tell you, anytime I've ever seen J.D. McKissick get his touches – He's kind of an impressive kid. He's he's kind of quick. Not that he's going to blow the doors off in fantasy. That's not going to happen. But I'm talking about in real football for the Washington football team. He could be a guy who's productive and could help them, especially on third down. The only problem is Gibson's the same type of player, right? Gibson's also a wide receiver type running back. So they're they're going to eat into each other. Uh, that's just something to watch. But just just noteworthy that they keep saying McKissick this, McKissick that, because when he gets the ball in his hands, he's kind of electric. He's kind of an interesting player. So keep an eye on him. Yeah, and and on my bench, I, I have uh, Jones, Ronald Jones the second, David Montgomery. I think I have to keep both of those. Kareem Hunt, I have to keep that guy. Marvin Jones Jr., I have to keep him. Carlos Hyde, who I really want to keep. So it really, it's down between three people: Bryce Love, Christian Kirk, and Marlon Mack. And I don't know that I could get rid of Mack early. I'm hoping he gets a big game early on, and then I'm going to trade him. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. I remember that was one of your strategies, and I agree with that. The only problem is you got to find a guy who's not a huge believer in Jonathan Taylor and finding that is like a needle in haystack, right? It's like, it's like you trying to figure out, like if I gave you a blank roster and said, tell me your whole team off the top of your head, that those are the odds of finding a guy that doesn't, 
that doesn't like Jonathan Taylor. You know what I mean? It's like uh, he's like Superman. You can if you say anything bad about Jonathan Taylor, they'll come yeah. to your house. They'll pick it outside your house. <laughs> I I might if Marlon Mack has a big game, I may trade him for Jonathan Taylor and just wait until later on in the year to play him. Hey, here's a huge news. I, I just saw this one today too. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said it will be up to Tevin Coleman whether or not he wants to sit week one if the air in San Francisco doesn't clear up. He has a pre-existing sickle cell trait, and so he may not play on Sunday. That opens up the doors huge for any Raheem Mostart coaches. Yep, absolutely it does. And by the way, Mostart's only 5,800 on DraftKings. So a couple of factors on that. So that's great. That's a great bring up by you because Coleman's a savvy veteran. Uh, I think he knows this 49ers team, despite the injuries at the wide receiver position, they're going to be there at the end of the year. They're going to be right there in the mix toward the top of the NFC. So with that in mind, is he going to take a chance the first game? And this is Coleman thinking as a veteran uh, when the coach leaves it up to him. And he already knows you got Mostert and you got McKinnon there. So is is him sitting out, is that going to cost them the game? Probably not. So when you when you consider that and the fact that he's a veteran guy and he probably wants to protect himself as well, I don't think he's going to play. And if he does, he'll be sitting there as window dressing, right? It'll be like, oh, maybe something happens. You know, McKinnon gets hurt every year. If something happened to McKinnon and, and Coleman was suited up, maybe he'd jump in there for a couple of plays. That being said, you got to go Mostert everywhere here. If he's your running back three and you're, you're season long, you're firing him up. If you're going DraftKings and you're looking to match him with a 7,000-plus running back, he's at 5,800. You're going to fire him up. And another factor, the betters are taking the Cardinals, right? Keep that in mind. I think the 49ers are one of the best plays on the board this week. Now you throw another injury onto this report that doesn't really matter to their wins and losses. So you got Ayuk and you got Debo Samuel, and now you got Coleman, all these factors. Everyone's going to take the Cardinals, which means you're getting great price on the 49ers for betting. And you're also getting a good price on the 49ers for DFS. That's Garoppolo. That's Mostert. That's George Kittle is a little bit higher, obviously, in salary. But you got some good plays there. No, you definitely do. And speaking of running backs, uh, overnight, Alvin Kamara, he got a a five-year, $75 million extension. And then today, Dalvin Cook ended up getting a five-year, $63 million extension. John, your Jets threw a bunch of dollars at Le'Veon Bell, but there are a bunch of great NFL minds that don't think tying up that many dollars at the running back position is wise for an organization's long-term success. What are your thoughts? Why'd you have to mention that? Why you got to mention Le'Veon Bell every time? You don't even know. I wish you could see my reaction when someone even texts me Le'Veon Bell. They just text me. That's, I got to get a new phone every other – I just throw the phone into the wall and it explodes. I, I, can't, I can't take it. It just drives me nuts. Now, again, with the Jets in our situation, it was the old regime. It's a new regime now, so we'll see how they do with Joe Douglas. But as far as Kamara and Cook, it's all relative to the team, right? So the Jets, it made no sense to commit that money to Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell was not established as a guy who was carrying the team right? It's a little bit different. The Vikings have some backups that can help you at Madison and Boone, but Dalvin Cook is the identity of this offense with Zimmer and now with Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. This is a ground and pound downhill running team, protect the ball, don't turn it over. That being said, Cook was fantastic when he was healthy last year. He looked really phenomenal and that was running between the tackles and catching the ball. That was both. So for that team, it's part of their identity and that's the key. It's a great point that you bring up about the running backs. Is this guy central to what this team does? Like Derrick Henry, central for the Titans. Kamara, I think if the Saints are ever going to get over the hump, they're still going to need him. They could never go to a situation where they just had Latavius Murray, didn't have Kamara, and then the team gets better. That's not going to happen. So the, the short answer is in both of these situations, these guys are paramount to what that team does, part of their identity. So I'm going to sign off and say, it's okay. I don't love it, right? I would have loved to see one of those teams not do it just to shake things up. But I understand why they did it in both situations. You know, if the team, like you said, is built around the running back, I can understand. If they're trying, if they're in win now mode, I can understand. Mm -hmm. The Jets were not in win now mode. The Denver Broncos are not in win now mode. You don't bring in that high of a dollar player at the running back position and try to build around him when you don't have anybody around him to help. Yes. No, that's it's spot on. It's It's a conversation I have often. Uh, with a lot of guys that know this stuff just like you do, Wes, because it's so true. It's, it is very relative, but then again, that relativity is very small when you look at the 32 teams in the league, right? How many teams really need that running back 
for that price point in order for them to be top level successful. And out of those top level teams, how many of them are, are, are there every single year where they need to lean on the running back? It sometimes fluctuates. There's only a few teams that are there every year. So the window of teams that actually should be doing that out of 32 is probably like eight, right? It's probably like 25% of the teams really need to commit to their running back that way. And, and why you bring this up, Wes, other than quarterback, what positions do you like your team to invest in in terms of winning and losses? Oh, well, it's, it's all about the, the thoughts, you know, it's, it's, it's about the person that's in charge and let's never forget about the other side of the ball where you have those linebackers who are in charge. I love the linebackers being the guys on the other side, not necessarily the linemen, but I I don't mind investing in linebackers who bark out the instructions each and every time who hold people accountable. Those are my guys that I want to see my term, my team invest in long-term besides quarterback. I'm glad you brought that up because I like when we have the complete opposite. I, I would put linebacker as one of the least important positions in the NFL. You need one. Like you said, you need that one captain, that guy that can set up the defense who calls the plays, uh, and also he can range around the field. But to invest in the position on the whole, and I've seen it too, any team that has a good defensive coordinator and has competent guys that they could slide in at linebacker, uh, they get the job done. And the Jets are a great example. The Jets went 6-2 and two to end the season last year, and they had no name players other than Jamal Adams because Greg Williams was able to take guys and mix and match. And that's what a good coordinator does, and linebackers that position. So for me, on defense, I have two things that stand out. Number one, corner is massive, huge, True. right? That's number one for me. And number two is pass rush because we saw the Giants, when they took down the Patriots, they did it with pass rush. When the Broncos took down the Patriots with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and Wolf, they did it with pass rush. The Ravens did it when they had Terrell Suggs and they had Ray Lewis bringing some pressure as well. Um, they also had, uh, what was the other guy, McCaffrey or McCoy or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, there's a lot of these teams where if it's defensively, you're talking about pass rush and number one corner. Those are the guys that I like to lean on. Yeah, I, I'm thinking in my head, I remember watching Brian Urlacher versus like Drew Brees and, you know, or Peyton Manning, and they, they go up to the line and they start changing the play, and then all of a sudden I see Urlacher barking out a different play too on the other side, and I'm going, wow, this is great to watch those guys playing chess out here where a lot of people aren't even playing tiddlywinks on the football field. Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head. That's why you lean toward linebacker because you saw what an impact it was when you had a guy like Urlacher. But the problem is that type of guy comes around what? Out of 32 teams, there's three or four guys like that, so it's very hard to find, and it's generational. It's based on the time period that they're playing, whether or not they can have that kind of impact. So I understand why you would think that way because of your history, but in the grand scheme of the league, I still think it's pass rush and number one corner for defense. Let me remind everybody that they are listening to the Fantasy Impact Today Network, and I would like to encourage you to go visit the Fantasy Impact Today website where you can find all the past podcasts. You can even find them over on Anchor FM, and you can subscribe on whatever platform you are comfortable in. The website is fantasyimpacttoday.com. For those of you who have not yet slapped those stars on the iTunes app or left a review, please do so. Those actions by you are important in helping this Fantasy Impact Today movement grow as we try to take some positivity into the world we are living in. John, I, I have to ask you about some DFS stuff because I saw you tweeting it out earlier today. And you can find John's tweets over at LegendSports7 on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. You can find all the different hosts on the Fantasy Impact Today Network over at the FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter. You can I got them all listed right there on the bio. I even have mine there, Wes Easley, at Loafinit, so you can follow us all there. But, John, you were mentioning some hot plays on DFS action this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we could go by position, Wes. But I, a quarterback, the chalky play, but you, I have to have at least one guy up top that you like. I do like Lamar Jackson in this opening game. And sure. the reason why is because, number one, obviously it's against the Browns, so there's only one or two guys you got to worry about there defensively. But because he specifically said, I got a chip on my shoulder. I know I let the team down and the fans down in the playoffs. And I'm I'm here to win it all and win them all. Every single game this year. So you look at a guy who's coming with that in his mindset for the first game of the season. He's going to run wild. And again, we saw it on the first game of the year. The crowd being minimal or no crowd at all, depending on what stadium we're going to be at across the season, uh, had a major impact on that game for the Chiefs. They were just playing catch out there, right, on Thursday. Mm -hmm. They were just relaxed. Everybody was kind of mellow. They already knew they were going to run them out of the gym. You know what I mean? And it's going to be like that for the Ravens. When the Browns are huffing and puffing and there's no crowd to help them out, and Lamar Jackson's running for over 100 yards. You got to like him as a top play for the safe play, right? So that that would be the safe play up top. And then I'll give you the guys that are cheaper that I liked. I liked Rivers against Jacksonville 
with the new offensive line. Obviously, the, the Colts are a big favorite on the road, so that usually tells you a lot about how much they're going to win by. Uh, I like Derek Carr against the Panthers because we know the Panthers are a weak defense, and he's only 5,900. I like Jimmy Garoppolo because everybody thinks he's going to stink because their their wide receivers are injured. But the point is it's a home game against Arizona. They're a seven-point favorite, and everybody's betting on the Cardinals. So I like Garoppolo as well. And then the cheap guy, I hate to say it because of the situation with Pouncey, but Tyrod Taylor is only 5,600, so maybe you can get a good rushing game out of him. What do you, what do you think, Wes? Oh, I think you're forgetting somebody. Johnny, I think and I think you're doing it on purpose just to get under my skin. But how how can you not tell me Mitch Trubisky is even a better value play than Tyrod Taylor? You know what? It's so funny that you say that. Shout out to my man Danny Tancredi, who is a big time fantasy player and big on DFS. He actually mentioned to me that he's going all in on Trubisky. Uh, he's at Doggy Dog Dan on Twitter. He mentioned he's all in on Trubisky on DFS. So he's with you, my friend, and he's a local New York guy as well. So he oh. thinks that you're absolutely right. He's going, he's betting the farm on Trubisky with Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, uh, and maybe some Cole Komet or maybe some Jimmy Graham. So, and Tara Cohen as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think Trubisky is a decent play at 5,400. But at the end of the day, the reason why I don't like it is because the Lions now with Galladay out, if they want to win this division game at home to start the season, guess what? They're going to have to win it on defense, which means they're going to have to turn Trubisky over two times. So that's why I'm staying away for the most part. If you want to put him on a couple of teams, I'm okay with that. And is it 50-50 with Tyrod Taylor? Sure, because Tyrod Taylor could stink. That's the reality of the situation. No, I agree. Doggy dog Dan. Me and him might become best buddies right here over this weekend. But I do love what you said about Lamar Jackson. And, and, you know, I think about Phillip Rivers in his new environment. But, man, Jacksonville is just going to be so weak. I think him and T.Y. Hilton – Putting those guys together, you're just going to have fantasy success all day long on DFS. Yeah, I like Hilton. And I, it's funny because when I was doing my my top team, so I got a bunch of free entry offers from DK. So I got a bunch of these free teams right off the top. And the first one I was looking at, I was going to put Hilton in there with Rivers. And I just figured, you know, if you're going to go with your A squad, you should go with the quarterback and the wide receiver who already know each other. So I think I went to a situation like Matt Ryan and Ridley or like uh, Russell Wilson and Metcalf or something like that, some sort of safe combination. But you're right. I mean, it's it's a good situation against Jacksonville. And again, I've been saying this about Rivers. If he's going to establish a connection with one of these receivers, it's probably going to be Hilton because he's a veteran. He's going to see the game and read the game more similar to the Rivers than Paris Campbell or Pittman will do, right? Because they're inexperienced. So, so that's a good point. Um, you know, if you move over to running back, I don't even know if I could play McCaffrey at 10,000. It's so freaking high. Um, I just yeah. don't know if I can do it. It leverages the rest of your roster. What do you What do you think about McCaffrey at ten thousand? No, I don't touch those ten thousand players. They never seem worth it to me. I'd rather try and spread out the dollars so that I can get a lot more opportunities to score more points. I guess instead of playing with that one high player and then a bunch of. But I try to outsmart the room on DFS, John. If I've got a let's say a fifty thousand dollar budget, I don't even know what the budget. I can't. <laughs> I can't remember what the budgets are. But I, I try to say, oh, I'm just going to spend ten. You know, I'm just I'm going to show everybody how I'm smarter than them is what I kind of think about. So I, I don't I always like to go to the bottom and work my way up. And then if I see some weaknesses, I like to then bolster that up with some strength. Yeah, no, I mean, that strategy actually can work in the million. Right. The one where there's everybody's doing it all over the world. Mm-hmm. If you have a lineup that's short of the total salary at the end, you're going to have leverage against the field because everybody else is going to be using almost all of their salary. So it's actually not a bad idea. You can't do that on all your teams because you won't be competitive. But if you have one or two teams where you make it really short of the salary point, uh, you're going to get a little bit of leverage there and maybe you get lucky. That's that's what you're trying to do anyway. It's not like you can control anything when you're in a field against 150,000 entries, you know? Right. And I, I really like Ingram as far as a running back goes this week. I like I like Ingram because he's the familiar face. And I, I just think that that coaching staff always likes to reward the veterans. And they're going to be in the goal line area, the red zone, a bunch this weekend. And I know Lamar's going to get his, but I think Ingram could get at least one. Yeah, for sure. I, I like him at 5,500. Uh, also, it's a situation where this might be the t- time to play him over other times. Right. Yeah. That, that's a kind of what I was saying before. If you're playing DFS or even if you're playing season long, you got to read that situation that week, but then also look forward to the season and say, what's this timeline and how is this story going to shake out? And what I mean by that is, is there going to be some point during the year where Dobbins comes along 
and he looks so good and so electric, they say, okay, we're not going to ignore Ingram, but we're going to cut it down to a 60-40 instead of game one where it's an 80-20 for Ingram. You know what I mean? So if you're going to use Ingram, I think it's going to be early in the year, and I think you're right. I like him at 5,500. I like Mostert at 5,800, a little bit lower down. Uh, If you're going to take a shot, I think another thing to keep in mind with the running backs is if you're going to use a non-PPR running back, a guy who's more of a rusher, you absolutely must pair them with a PPR guy. So like a combination of, for example, if you want to throw Jordan Howard in there, that's a guy for you, Wes, because if you think the Dolphins are going to beat the Patriots, well, for sure, they're going to be running the ball. They're going to be grinding it, try to keep that score low. They're going to need some red zone touches. That's Jordan Howard at 5,100. And then maybe you match him up with a PPR guy like an Eckler at 7,000, a combination like that. Yeah, and I I can see what you're saying there. And I love Josh Jacobs, too, at 6,800. I think that Las Vegas is going to have to just ride Josh Jacobs all day long without having these solid wide receivers there. Yeah, so so that's one where I've already been told, and I have a lot of guys who have all these metrics and these different systems that they buy and all this stuff. I've already been told that it's projected that Jacobs is going to be the highest owned running back. So you got to watch out for that. So that's a situation where if you're going to use him, you're going to use him in the cash game, right? Where you only have to be in the top 50% of the field and you're going to win double your money. So that's where you would use Jacobs, but you're not going to use him in the tournament because if he, let's say he's like 40 something percent owned or 50% owned and he stinks, he's going to destroy your teams. And then the other 50% of the field is going to gain major leverage on you because they're not using him and they're not getting the negative or the weak game that he has. So yeah, I think you're going to use him more in cash games. Um, If you're going to pivot off that in that situation, the guys who people aren't going to have, that's Aaron Jones at 6,900 at Minnesota, right? That sounds like a nightmare matchup. No one's going to have him. So if you want to be tricky, that's a tricky play. Another one is Chubb at the Ravens because everybody likes the Ravens defense at home. He's 6,500. Not as many people are going to have him. They're also worried about Kareem Hunt. And the third guy is Drake, who, uh, you know, again, I like the 49ers to win that game. But not a lot of people are going to have Drake at 6,400 because there's been negative impact and negative news about his day-to-day injuries and his leg, right? So those three guys are not going to be used. So maybe if you're going to go against Jacobs, you look at those. And my one flyer is Sony Michelle. If I'm you know, desperate, I'm going, okay, I need to squeeze somebody in here for 4,600, and that's Sony Michelle. Yeah, Sony Michelle, and then there's two other guys, right? The guy who's going to be chalky is Boston Scott at 4,800. For the people that are worried about Miles Sanders' health situation, they're going to lock in uh, Boston Scott and try to toss him in as their second running back, especially if they're going with a McCaffrey or a Cook up top. Uh, and the other guys from your team, I know you can't stand them, but Tara Cohen's 4,900. Even if Montgomery yeah. plays, he's not going to be 100%. He's not going to be 100% Montgomery. And he's 4,900 and it's PPR. Don't forget that, Wes. It's full point PPR. So if you're going to use Cohen and you like Trubisky, how could you like Trubisky and not like Cohen at 4,900? I like Trubisky's legs, man. I don't like Cohen's legs. I, I don't like Cohen's hands, to be honest with you. That's what I know. I, don't that. like. I know. Hey, I've, what heard, about- I've heard you complain many times. You know what? <laughs> at, least you guys, at least you guys had a good year a couple of years ago. I don't even know what a good year is anymore. The last time we had a good year, we had Mark Sanchez. I, I opened up that can again. Hey, John, wide receivers, though. We got to touch about wide receivers real quick. I know Michael Thomas seems like a sure play at 9,000, but that just seems a little bit too rich for my blood with so many wide receivers out there that seem to be able to perform just as well as he will on Sunday. Yeah, you know, another one of my good buddies, uh, Mark, who's at Marquioso on Twitter, he likes Emmanuel Sanders, and I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because people are going to still fire up Breeze either way. Because Breeze is going to get his at home against the Bucks defense with the offseason storylines, the negative comments by Breeze, uh, and also the quarterbacks nipping at his heels and Winston and Taysom Hill. Over the course of the year, people, if he doesn't do well, they'll be calling for a change at the quarterback position uh, and long, uh, long-term long going forward. So Breeze is going to get his because he wants to show that he's still the man. But maybe if Thomas gets those double teams and also he's at 9000 in salary, you might want to go down for Emmanuel Sanders, who, if I remember correctly, I think he was at 5,700. So, yeah, so I think you're right. I think you're going to lay off Thomas and go for somebody else. Maybe you go for Sanders or maybe you go for Jared Cook at the tight end position, something like that. Yeah, and at that 5,700 price range, DK Metcalf is at 5,800 in what I think is going to be a shootout against Atlanta. On those fit picks over on the Fantasy Impact Today uh, Twitter handle, you picked the C- uh, you picked the Atlanta Falcons to win that game. Yes, I absolutely did. That's that's one of those plays where it's the right play, 
right? So you have right now, I'll bring up the uh, updated percentages because I like to give you guys the up-to-date news. Remember, now it's we're recording at 3 p.m. Eastern time, right? These lines are going to change. I'm talking about the betting lines. They're going to be hot. They're going to change overnight. They're going to change in the morning from the late action, the big dollars that go down, right? So this is a situation where you want to know exactly what you're getting into. And right now it's still, as of last time we spoke, I believe it was 70% on the Seahawks. Even with people getting smart like myself, uh, it's still 61% on the Seahawks. And the Falcons are a home team here. This is a game that's going to be nip and tuck. It's going to come down to the wire. It's still 39% on Atlanta. So I'm going to take Atlanta to win this game at home. And it's a 50-50 thing. Here's why. This is one of those teams that for me, they always bite me, even if it's the right play. So I look at this and I go, this is the right play. They're a home dog. The Seahawks are getting the action on them. Nobody thinks the Falcons are going to be any good. It's the right play, but they've still bit me in the past. So if they come through for me this year, maybe they're going to emerge in a major way and they will be a team I lean on for DFS and for bets. Um, but if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to hating them. John, Marquise Brown, 5,100 this week. Uh, who else is, uh, besides Andrews, who else is Lamar Jackson going to throw it to? Yeah, I mean, here's the problem. And it's good that you're pointing out these guys, and we didn't even discuss this beforehand. He's already being listed as one of the guys who's going to be the most owned, and that's pretty obvious, I would think, for three reasons. One is his salary is only 5,100. Number two is they're at home against the Browns. Number three, he had a monster game in week one last year. Right. So he's going to be crazy owned. So you're right. It's it's hard not to use him sometimes because you're going to make a lineup and you're going to get down to that last flex spot on DFS. And you're going to say, you know what? He fits in there at fifty one hundred. The other guys in his area, Anthony Miller might be interesting right at five thousand and Jamison Crowder at fifty two hundred for my Jets, because obviously he's a guy who already has the rapport with Sammy Darnold. So those are other guys you might want to move over to. And the, the tricky guy could be Ruggs in his first game. People might say that. They might say, oh, it's his first game. What's he going to do? He's going to be lost out there. Well, what if it works out? I Don't you think it's a little bit interesting that Marquise Brown, who's already more established and is the number one receiver on arguably the best or the second best team in the AFC, is the same salary as a rookie who hasn't played a game in the NFL on a team that's much weaker than the Ravens, and that's being the Raiders? Isn't that weird that DraftKings put them with the same salary? I call that fishy. So that means Ruggs might be in for a good game. So yeah, and, and as far as your question, Wes, the only other guy, if you're going to be real tricky, Miles Boykin, they're talking about maybe he could sneak in in the red zone and be this type of guy who makes a move out into the flat, right? So everybody's worried about Andrews over the middle, or they're worried about the dump off pass to Ingram or Dobbins, or they're worried about Lamar Jackson scrambling. With all that going on, they run a little something out, a little out route with Miles Boykin, and he magically picks up two touchdowns. So if you're going to go for the miracle, that's the guy, but Marquise Brown's going to be heavily owned. Hey, uh, George Kittle, he's the only option to throw it to in uh, San Francisco, but he's 7,200 for the tight end position. Oh, is he worth it even though he's facing the 32nd ranked defense against yeah. tight ends? Yeah, I still like him, and obviously I like him if you're going to go for the stack, right? So if, oh. you're, if you're playing DFS, the only time you're not going to stack the quarterback is if it's a team where there's a bunch of options. I'll give you a great example. You're not going to be stacking too much with the Texans this year. You're going to use Watson on his own, what they would call naked Watson by himself, right? Excuse so you're going to use it by himself. You have no idea who he's going to throw to. They got four receivers and three tight ends, and they got two running backs that catch the ball. So that's a good example where you wouldn't. But in a situation like this, where the 49ers have injuries at the wide receiver position, and we don't feel comfortable with the guys that are filling in at wide receiver, that means Kittle's going to have all he can eat. So this is a time where you're actually going to pay up for the tight end. And if you are going to pay up, you're going to match him up. You're going to do that stack with Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you do it, that's the way to go. Go Jimmy G and Kittle together or lay off it all together. Ooh, and if Tevin Coleman sits out, you throw Mustard in there? Oh, no, Not oh. on the same team. Not on the same. I mean, right. I, you, wanna, you don't want to go quarterback, running back, and tight end on the same team, especially when the running back's not a pass catcher, right? The pass catcher is going to be McKinnon. So if you're going quarterback with a, a tight end and Kittle, you're going Garoppolo and Kittle, you're basically predicting it's going to be a high-scoring passing game for the 49ers. That means if you're going to use a running back, you're going to use McKinnon, right? You're not going to use Mostart, who's going to be not the receiver. He's going to be on the ground game. So I, I would only use all three in like a one situation or a two situation. Okay. If you're doing okay. 10, 20 teams, I wouldn't do that very often. Okay. Well, I'm going to take Jordan Reed just to go against the grain a little bit. Uh, what other tight ends do you really love this week going in DFS? 
I like the guys uh, that are going against the chalk, right? So if Marvin Jones is going to be chalk for the Lions, then you got to like TJ Hawkinson at 4,200, right? That looks like a play for me. If Chris Godwin's going to be chalk at the wide receiver position with Mike Evans out, then you got to like Gronk at 4,900. I got my sneaky guy for you. Here's my sneaky guy off the grid. He's the number two tight end on his team. We know who he is, but we're not hearing his name a lot right now. That's Dallas Goddard at 4,100. I'm going to tell you why. First game of the career for Jalen Ragor. Looks like he's definitely going to play, but we don't know how acclimated with the offense he's going to be. Deshaun Jackson, as we know, by the nature of who he is, is hit or miss. He could have a big game or he could be an absolute ghost. Ertz is obviously a great play, right? You like Ertz. He's very safe at 5,800. But let's say you're priced out. You can't afford him at 5,800. The second option on this team, not for the whole season, but for this week, might be Dallas Goddard if you consider the fact that Miles Sanders is questionable and he's not going to be at 100% anyway, even if he does suit up. So Dallas Goddard's at 4,100. I like him as a very sneaky play. I like O.J. Howard as a sneaky play at 3,700 because Godwin is out. And then if you go way down to 3,600, you got Jack Doyle. And then if you go way, way down, which is very strange to me, I, I would thought this was odd. Chris Herndon, who might be the number two option on the Jets, is only 3,300 uh, at the Bills, probably because it's a good defense and it's a road game. And Irv Smith, who we've talked about a lot this offseason, yeah. he's only 3,100 at home against the Packers. So if you got to go cheap, you're, I'm thinking about Herndon and I'm thinking about Irv Smith. Wow, Tony, that's a lot of great information. I hope you are ready for Sunday. If you are not following the legend himself, John Frisella, you can do that at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. And John, I got to encourage everybody to make sure that they follow our Fantasy Impact Today Twitter feed as well, because that lists all of the uh, hosts on there underneath the bio. It also has a lot of different pinned tweets. I'll just pin one up there that that has got all this great information, especially our picks. And you, John, I mean, you you know I love going against the grain when it comes to those picks. Yeah, you got every once in a while you got to go against the grain. But again, yeah, Fantasy Impact today got to be following us on Twitter. Wes is at Lofinet. I'm at Legend Sports Seven. JB Barry's at Fantasy Coach JB. Right, that's the main gang there. Fit Sports. You want to uh, Apple Podcasts? Uh, you got to check us out on FM as Anchor FM as well. We're all over the place. I'm at John Frisella Sports, the blog. So uh, yeah, just keep keep in touch with us. I gotta tell, I'm jacked up. This show could have been seven hours long. I would still be going. So so since we're gonna end the show at an hour, you guys better hit me up on Twitter so you can get those yeah. other eight hours. You know what I'm saying? Good luck, yeah. everybody. Yeah, everybody follow John on Twitter. But hey, Fit Fam, more than anything else, we want to make sure that you guys go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 